So on this episode of the Tough Juice Podcast, we had the privilege of interviewing a close friend and one of my mentors in this space, none other than Mark Wahlberg. We talked about his transition, uh, his preparation, and F45 and one of the businesses that he's extremely passionate about. We also talked about his faith and some of the things that a lot of people don't see when you're talking about going through adversity and overcoming and how he's so passionate of giving back and planting the right seeds and watch his harvest grow. Subscribe to the Tough Juice Podcast on the Himalaya app or wherever you listen to your pods. So, big bro, man, talk to me, man. What you been up to? Oh, God, today, nothing. Worked out. <laughs> Got a couple meetings during the day and, you know, just happy to be home. Yeah, man. I was, uh, I was away for quite a while. I was in London. I went on holiday. So it's nice just being home, hanging out with the kids, you know, see what's going on, spend some time with my wife. So what was the project you was filming in London? Uh, Antoine Fuqua and I, we did the shooter together. Uh, it was produced by Lorenzo de Bonaventura. It's called Infinite. Okay. And it's kind of about um, the special group of uh, infinites who are obviously reincarnated and acquire all these skills over all these different lifetimes, thousands of years. And, uh, and you know, there's the good and the bad. And then... Uh, people who just like to have a really good time and enjoy life and get into all the debauchery. And so uh, they think I'm somebody special and unique. And because in this particular lifetime, I was born schizophrenic. Uh, I was diagnosed schizophrenic. I uh, had a bunch of problems on types of medication. Um, and so I have all these dreams and memories, but don't know how to make sense of them. And then they kind of basically take me on this journey to figure out if I am who, in fact, they think I am. And uh, it's pretty amazing. It's 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 uh, based on a book, but you know, it's a it's a very big movie. So the studio is taking uh, quite a swing and doing something original and cool and different. So we'll see what happens. How do you transition into those roles? I've seen you go from like the TED space, the Transformers, and. And now he's talking about infinite. Like, how do you go to all those different roles and those uh, characters? It's just in the, the preparation, you know. I got to, first of all, I mean, the, the part originally was going to be played by somebody else. And so we had to kind of tailor the script to me. Um, but, you know, you first of all, I have to be able to believe it in order to convince an audience. So whether I'm talking to... Uh, 50-foot robot or, you know, a two-foot-tall teddy bear who loves smoking weed. Um, I just have to believe it, be committed, and I feel like if, I, if I'm committed, then I can convince audiences that this is real. Um, but this whole new world is very slick, stylized. Um, the action sequence is going to be like nothing you've ever seen before. I mean, oh, the wow. things that this guy can uh, start to do and the skills that he's acquired over time are absolutely unbelievable. Hopefully that's going to really uh, translate on the screen. That's major what you're saying, you know, saying that that's something that we've never seen before because seen I've seen all. you in trans, uh, Transformers and so many more movies and this is going to be like a whole new it's, wave it's, of action. It's, it's hard to find something that's unique. Yeah, I think when, you know, like there have been moments in time where, especially with CGI and the way stuff is... is uh, able to be created like the wave in the perfect storm the first time you saw it on screen you're like oh my god wow how did they do that because they really hadn't been able to figure out how to master water with cgi or jurassic park for the first time when you saw the dinosaurs yeah. but everything's been kind of done so it really is now about finding new and interesting ways to do it and just that some of the things that this guy can do and that he's able to pull off are absolutely mind-blowing hopefully um and seeing the previs and stuff like that which is an animated version 
of the sequences and then us shooting it. Uh, haven't seen the effects yet. Like I said, we just finished right before Christmas. The movie comes out in August, okay. uh, but I've already seen the trailer, uh, and it's pretty pretty incredible. Uh, Chiwetel, who is also in the movie, who I worked with on Four Brothers, uh, he and I reunited again and going at it one more time. Well, that's gonna be big. Um, so yeah, really really cool and different. I, that, the thing that makes it so special is it's, it's unique. You know, the story, the world, and the way in which it's shot and told. So I think it could be cool. Yeah, I think what else is unique is, you know, your transition. And I, I've always modeled myself after individuals that I've seen that went from one space to another. Initially, you know, you was in the music space. You, you mastered the art of acting and producing and all these different things. What's been the key to that transition? Uh, I think the focus and the discipline. Um, when you're pivoting into something else, it's like... I also know that, you know, going from music, which... I loved, but you know, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. You, um, you nice. I did listen. <laughs> I certainly did okay. It was a stepping stone to get me. But when I found uh, acting, uh, and thank Penny Marshall who uh, given me a real chance to um, to play a part and to be uh, an actor, and kind of went to her kind of crazy Penny Marshall school of acting. I felt like I'd found my niche, you know, because I always grew up watching movies. My dad would always take me to the movies. I was the youngest, so I'd be home uh, while my brothers and sisters would be in school, and he'd come home, and, you know, he'd take a six-pack of Schlitz and, you know, a couple of Oreos off the, the delivery truck that he was driving for work and take me to the movies, and mostly take me to movies that were inappropriate for me at the time because of my age. But I grew up, you know, watching, you know, the first movie I ever saw in the theater was Hard Times with Charles Bronson and watching Jimmy Cagney and Steve McQueen and John Garfield and Robert Ryan and all these guys, I felt like I had this connection to cinema, right? But I didn't think that it was possible for me growing up where I came from to be able to actually go and find a way to actually enter into the movie business. You know, nobody had ever done that where I came from. So uh, just a chance meeting with Penny and, you know, I grew up watching her. I was a huge fan of her on television with Laverne and Shirley and Danny DeVito and Taxi. And uh, I had met other people who had asked me because of my success in music or even with the Calvin Klein stuff to be in movies. But it wasn't to, like, play a real part. It was to play the white rapper in Sister Act 2 or to mm. do something that wouldn't have really, it would have been a nice little hit for them, but it certainly wouldn't have given me an opportunity to have a career. And so having that first experience with Penny, paying attention to everybody and everything that was going on on the set, and then, uh, and then it was just like that was all I wanted to do. So I, I knew for me it was about being focused, being disciplined, and being in it for the long haul because, you know, you could get a, a, a great part early on that will put you, uh, you know, in, in the stratosphere, but then, you know, you got to be able to maintain that. And so kind of finding one part at a time, slowly building, growing, challenging myself, convincing, uh, you know, unique and talented filmmakers to give me a shot, to give me an opportunity. And then, uh, you know, with, with what I was doing, uh, I always felt like I had a lot of potential and the sky was the limit and I just kept grinding. And then, of course, I had to just say, once you got to a certain place, and it's like, you know, there's only a, a certain amount of movies and a certain amount of guys who are getting those parts. I always wanted to be ahead of the curve and kind of be in control of my own destiny. That's when I started producing and developing material. So I could say then, you know, hey, well, I got this idea in this script and then figure out how to go and get something like that made. Make it happen. Yeah. How have you been able to sustain that, like that longevity in this space? Because we've seen a lot of, like you said, guys that come, female, males and females that just like go off into the stratosphere and then they kind of taper off. You've been able to sustain and even continue to elevate. 
it's hard. My work ethic is, I'm more focused and more disciplined and more hungry now than I've ever been. Um, you know, and I just, again, I, I just, I never look at the past or, you know, spend too much time, you know, gloating or, you know, hemming, hawing over wins or, or misses. I just feel like, okay, it's all about the next thing and uh, finding out what that is and, and knowing how to kind of grow as an actor, grow with my audience, you know, do different things. Um, but, you know, making good choices, a little luck, and, you know, it's all, it's all kind of a part of it, you know. You, you mentioned Penny. Who's been some of your mentors that kind of grab you by the, you know, by the wayside and they say, you know, follow me here or they're going to guide you through this space? Um, well, I, you know, I don't think, like, Penny obviously was somebody who gave me my start and I could always kind of go to and, yeah. and pick her brain. But people that I watch, whether um, they were advising me or not, even if I was watching them from a distance, of course, you know, Denzel, who I had the, 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 the great honor of working with, um, and then, of course, working with John David Washington um, on Ballers uh, and seeing him grow as an actor. Um, Robert Duvall, Jimmy Kahn, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, you know, some names right well, now. Well, those are all guys, again, that I, that I looked up to, that I could identify with in some sort of way, because they kind of all have that same quality of that every man who you can root for and relate to um, and enjoy watching them, whether they're playing a good guy or a bad guy, uh, and having that kind of ability to do different things and stretch and not be put into a box, you know. Um, so, and then, of course, you know, guys like Bill Paxson, uh, who, who we lost recently way too soon, was a great, great friend and, and a mentor early on. And then, of course, the filmmakers that I've worked with uh, from a very early stage, whether it was Penny, um, Jimmy Foley, Scott Calvert, who really kind of gave me my career. Um, in uh, he directed all my music videos, oh, and crazy. he was like, "You're gonna be an actor." And I was, I was like, "Man, shut the fuck up! I'm gonna be <laughs> a fucking actor." He's like, "No, no, no, no." And he only told he did videos for. If you go back and look at Scott Calvert's um, resume as a video director, I mean, with Will Pac and of course all the Cash Money stuff early on and everything, he did so many amazing things. And the only three people that he ever said that about was me, Will, and Pac. And he said it to all of us that we should all be actors. And uh, so he was very influential. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, James Gray, uh, David O. Russell, you know, getting to work with Scorsese and Peter Jackson and Ridley Scott. And, you know, the list just goes on and on. Pete Berg and I now have made five films together. Great films. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been fortunate. You know, the people that I work with, Antoine Fuqua, John Singleton, uh, Gary Gray, you know, I've worked with a lot of really talented and cool people. You was talking about finding your niche. When did you know, like, I belong here, one, and you knew that you was a really good at this acting thing. What movie? What? Well, film? I realized because I could always talk myself out of trouble, and you know, whether <laughs> it was the judge or the principal or my mother or anybody, I was always very good at convincing people of what I wanted to convince them. Um, but I think after making the That's first movie, after making the first movie, I just started going back and watching all the movies that I was watching with my dad. And I'd, I'd start watching movies. I'd start making. I bought a bunch of camera equipment to get all my friends. We'd make our own movies. You know, I was directing short films already uh, this, at a young this, age. At, no, from the first time. I'd made the, the first movie. Wow. Then I just started doing that every day. So every day I was doing some sort of exercise in, uh, in making movies and acting and all that stuff, you know, along with all my other craziness. Yeah, and I continued to make music um, even overseas with guys like Prince Eitel Joe and, um, 
and uh, and people like that to be able to say, okay, I could make a living making music and traveling and doing stuff internationally. So I never had to take a film to pay my bills. You know what I mean? I was only going to take a film to kind of hope, help advance my career um, and help me grow as an actor. So it wasn't like, okay, I needed to, you know, to pay my bills, to get a car. It wasn't, I was never going to take a job in acting for the money. You know, it always had to be for the right reasons to, to help me in my, you know, my steady climb to, uh, you know, carrying movies, you know, having my name above the title, taking on that responsibility. Yeah. So even though that happened pretty quickly, um, I was still very cautious about that. I was like, and I knew because I knew in the long haul, you know, there's an opportunity to, to you know, you can make endless money. Yeah. Uh, but to really have a career where you can be respected and call the shots and, and, and do your thing, that was a different challenge. Guys, what is it about having balls that make us think bravery? Well, I got to have confidence in balls when I'm sitting down interviewing some of these special intriguing guests, just like the one that I just interviewed, Mark Wahlberg. And I think L45 and also me sitting in this seat, I have to be extremely comfortable. So with the patent ballpark pouch, Saks underwear has changed everything for me in the terms of comfort. They have a mesh panels that keep everything in place, super soft, moisture, wicking fabric. They let the boys breathe, if you know what I mean. And for an athlete, that's extremely important. So now I have something special for you. I've partnered with Saks Underwear to create a limited time deal just for you. Save 10% and get free shipping in a pair of Saks just by going to the special URL. The website is saxxunderwear.com slash toughjuice. Order a few pair of Saks now with a great offer. Go to saxxunderwear.com slash toughjuice. That's saxx with two X's. Remember, saxunderwear.com slash toughjuice. Do you see that a lot that, that, that happens in this space where a lot of people may make uh, career moves that may kind of taper them off a, a, a tad too soon because, you know, that, that project probably didn't, wasn't what's best for them at the time? Yeah, choices are the most important thing, you know, but I, I think at the same time, too, you got to kind of take a swing, you know, but, um, you know, a lot of people may get a lot of success early on because of one thing or another, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody who was maybe a great character actor, um, but not necessarily in a position to go and carry films will then, and we've seen it many times, they call it the curse of, you know, the Oscar supporting actors and actors, you know, will win an award and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they're, you know, getting paid a lot of money to star in a movie and, and maybe that thing won't work out. Um, but, you know, I mean, everybody should be able to do whatever they feel is right for them. But you got to kind of live with the choices that you make, right? Yeah. And so, and why you make those choices. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I wish the best for everybody. I just got to go and focus on doing my thing. You've transitioned into a lot of different spaces, not just the acting and producing it behind the camera and so many more things, but, you know, the health space. You know, you're talking about F45 and Aqua Hydrate and all these different products mm -hmm. that you're putting out there, you know, for health and wellness. How big is that and why is it so dear to your heart? Well, obviously, I'm, you know, very focused on my own health and wellness and yeah. uh, always been a, a big fitness person. And it's a fantastic business. And, what, you know, anybody who's anybody wants to live as long and healthy and happy as they possibly can, right? So being in, I love business. Um, 
I have multiple business interests, but you know, uh, especially in the health and wellness business, to create great product uh, that will benefit people over the long haul and benefit them, uh, as well as being able to make a business that's very profitable is something that's always been exciting to me. So what is this F45? I experienced it uh, numerous times and it kicked my ass, you know, over and over again. Ricky knows well. But like for those who haven't experienced that, like what is F45? Where did it come from and why well, are you so passionate about it? I had an opportunity to be involved in a couple of different uh, fitness concepts and stuff like that. And I was just kind of... Fitness was me just kind of doing my thing. But if I could inspire other people to, you know, um, be their best self, then I was going to do that. And we started in sports nutrition with, uh, with performance-inspired nutrition. And, uh, you know, but here's a guy, again, every business that I'm in, usually I'm in the business with somebody who's had real experience, what I call a serious adult in that particular space. So the guy that I was working with to create performance-inspired nutrition was at GNC for 26 years. He was the CMO. Wow. He had built many, many great brands. So he and I decided to start this business together. Um, and I would be the face of it and we'd go out and create opportunity at retail and, you know, with e-commerce and all that stuff. But he would help us really build a great sophisticated brand with great products. Um, and so that's how that started. F45, somebody had come to me and was like, hey, these guys are really interested in you kind of being involved in this gym concept. And I was like, ah, well, you know, I'm not really looking at that right now. But uh, I got curious enough to just go and visit a studio. And when I walked into the studio, I had seen something that I had never seen before. I saw a 50-some-odd-year-old woman who probably is just starting her fitness journey. Uh -huh. uh, I was a bit overweight. Uh, working out with a collegiate athlete oh, wow. together, and it was like they were high-fiving each other. There was an energy and a, a, a sense of community and support system that I had never seen in a gym before, right? You go to a big box gym, everybody's got their headphones in, they're looking in the mirror, they're doing their own thing. Nobody's paying attention. It just felt like it, it checked all the boxes. So you never get the same workout twice. You can be a person who's never walked into a gym and do a workout, and you can also be a professional world-class athlete and get your behind kicked. Yeah, so I, at whatever level kicked. you are, you can do it. And again, it's never the same. There's no mirrors. There's a sense of community and support. Um, it's just it was the best gym concept I had ever seen by far. And to the point where, you know, as you know, I would get up at 3 in the morning, do my workout on my own, uh, and then start the rest of my day. And I wasn't really interacting with people, you know. I didn't have that kind of energy and excitement. Like, I, I, I can force myself to go down to the gym and to eat right and exercise and stop drinking wine and stop drinking pasta because, you know, my job requires it, you know. And I'm well compensated for my job. Uh, and I appreciate the opportunity, so I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to show up on time and ready to go. Uh, I'm going to look the part and be prepared to play the part and do whatever is required of me. But... You know, to then get get into a gym environment where it was just like exciting to go. There's such great energy, you know. I took a woman who hadn't been in a gym in her entire life the other day, and we were there also with Corey, who's the face of F45, and Big Pete, and Rico, who's an eight-time kickboxing champion. Damn. One of the uh, pitchers for the uh, the Dodgers was there with his wife. My wife is there. Um, it's just friends, family, a sense of community. And so now our mission is to really educate people on the importance of fitness, health, wellness. We want to go across America. We want to conquer obesity. We want to tell people that it doesn't matter if you've never been in the gym. 
if you're 40 years old or you're 60 years old. You can come and you can do this workout. And you've seen it yourself. You've yeah. been to the gym. So somebody who's unassuming, you know, you'll see a woman who doesn't look like she's a powerhouse in the gym. She, she's going through that workout like nothing. And it's kicking your behind. It's kicking my behind. I mean, you've seen what happened to Jimmy. He had to go and take three or four <laughs> breaks at a time, you know. And all these guys come in thinking, oh, this is nothing. Yeah, the membership is consists, I think it's 70% uh, female. Uh, but it's for everybody. It's for everybody, and everybody who goes, it just becomes their obsession, yeah. you know? So uh, what greater way? And so we've, we've really done a lot to grow the business. We've got a lot of more, much more exciting things coming uh, along in the, in the very near future. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's my mission to get everybody, not only here in the U.S., but all over the world, to be doing F45. You talked about the importance of like energy and what you felt when you walked into that gym but also the energy that you keep around you and the, the good people that you keep around you from Rick and so many more. Talk about how important faith is to you. Well, faith is the most important thing. I mean, you know, that's, that's how I start my day every day. Um, you know, by the time I open my eyes, before I turn the light on or do anything, I'm kind of saying my prayers. I go into my prayer room and take that 15, 20 minutes to express how grateful I am and then also to pray for all the people that I have in my life, the people that I've encountered along the way, people who have been positive influence in my faith and my life, the people who I know are going through hard times and sickness and, you know. Um, so that's how I kind of start my day. And then I'll read my prayer book and then I'm going to go and eat and start working. But, um, you know, when I started focusing on my faith, good things started happening for me in my life at a very young age, you know, in my kind of, in my teens. It was like after I got in trouble, I was like, okay, the only way to do this is do it the right way. Yeah. You know, you can't cut corners in life. No you might get away with it here or there, but you know, ultimately, if you want anything that anything of real substance, uh, with a real solid foundation, you gotta you gotta work. You gotta put the work in. You gotta put the time in. So uh, you know, and look, we're all we we all make mistakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, patience is not is not my specialty, but you know, working on that, being a dad, wanting to be the best dad I can be, the best example. I also know that God didn't bless me with all of this to say, forget about where you come from, and just go off and do you and have a great life. I mean, there's now an opportunity and a responsibility to give back, to be an example, and to inspire other people to go and say, no matter where you come from or what obstacles you may face. If you actually go and do the right thing, good things will happen for you. And then you also have, you, you learn a lot of skills, the most important thing, right? Because no matter what, even if you live to 110, it's still a very short life, right? Yeah. So I have this wonderful idea that I'll be able to see my dad again. And if you do good in this life, that there is a heaven, there is a better place, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, knowing how to deal with loss, disappointment, sickness, all those things, um, it's, uh, you know, it's been, it's been my everything. My faith is, is everything. You touched on it a little bit about fatherhood, and I know how extremely busy, busy you are, and I go through that process as well, you know, traveling a lot, and you're filming movies, and you're in other countries. How are you able to still sustain that relationship and make time for your family? That's the hardest thing, man. That's the ultimate sacrifice that people just don't understand. You know, sometimes my wife doesn't understand it. You know, sometimes my kids don't understand it. But there, there, there's only one way to do it, you know, to be able to go out there and 
just as a man, instinctually being a provider, you know, I wanted, <laughs> yeah. to, I wanted to give my kids and my family all the things that I never had growing up, which I, in, in, you know, only in America really can you literally turn it around in one generation, right? And, and to be able to do that. But then what I also want to give them is the work ethic, the drive, the desire, the ability to say, okay, and understand if I want to accomplish anything, I really got to do the work. And that's much more difficult to do when you're in a situation where you're not hungry every day. It's like, if I want a bike, I had to either go and, you know, first I'd steal it. And then I'm like, okay, I got in trouble for that. And I got to figure out how to go get a job, have a paper route, hustle, shovel snow, you know, bag groceries, do whatever I had to do to get the first bike that I had, the first car that I had, you know, everything that I had to do, I had to work for. Um, so, but the, the sacrifice of having to leave and go away, miss certain things, that's, that's the most difficult. That's the most difficult. Um, but you know, I, um, I try to, you know, like even moving to LA, I moved to LA, I met my wife, we kind of started our life here thinking, okay, I'm making movies, I'll make movies here. They don't make movies in LA anymore. Yeah. You know, there's so many other places that have these tax incentives that draw people there. So, I mean, I've made now four or five movies out, outside of the US, you know, and it's hard to get home. I'll go home every weekend if I can, or every other weekend, uh, but it's hard shooting a movie overseas and, you know, uh, not being there for, for everything, it's, it's tough. That's by far the hardest part. Yeah. When you talk about all these things that you're doing in your body of work, so many different lanes that you're tapped into, ultimately, when you look at your legacy, what do you want to be remembered as and for? Oh, gosh. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, there's the body of work and all that stuff, but if I've, if I've taken... And use the blessings and the gifts that God's given me in the way that He wanted. And I could be a good servant, a good father, husband, son, friend, neighbor, a leader, and a follower. A follower to those who are really serving. Um, you know, because it's like I know that I should be doing more and I can do more. And I also know that uh, in the, the bigger position of power I am, the more influence I can have. So it's kind of like that fine line. But, um, you know, I got to probably start doing more of that stuff. And uh, maybe kind of being more, even more selective with the movies that I'm making and the time that I'm taking away from it. Because, you know, again, you're not promised tomorrow anything could happen. That's real. When you talk about that routine, and I seen it in a, 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 some magazine I was reading about you, and you was on the cover, and you was talking about your daily routine and what you get up and do. Can you just walk us, like, through that a little bit? Because I think people always see, like, the Instagram success or the the finished product and they mm -hmm. think that it's microwavable like it, it just happened instantly yeah. like what do you do on a consistent basis um it, again so now people think that you know it's crazy because this this when somebody asked me what my routine was at that particular time right has now taken on a life of its own right <laughs> so um i was training for a movie um i think it was for uh Wonderland, which is now Spencer Confidential, the Pete Berg movie. And Pete was like, you know what? I, I really need you now to be in the best shape ever. So I said, okay, Pete, I'll do that for you. <laughs> and so I started getting up at 2.30 in the morning. Obviously quit drinking, eating anything that wasn't uh, super healthy and part of the program. I did that the first time for 150 days. I just did it again for 180 days for wow. six months straight. 
without a cheat day or a cheat meal. Because I'm either all the way in or I'm all the way out. So you but close the wine cellar and everything. everything. So, but if, if I had to prepare for, you know, like when I did Deepwater Horizon, they wanted me to be as heavy and as out of shape as possible. So oh, wow. that meant, you know, and shooting in Louisiana in the summertime, I was eating po' boys and doing my thing <laughs> and uh, eating a lot of fried food, drinking a lot of beer. And, you know, that was fun for a couple of weeks. But then it's like when you got to sit down to put your socks on, and you're breathing heavy, you know, it was like, whew, this doesn't feel good. And it just doesn't feel as good as waking up without a hangover, you know, like fresh, ready to go. Um, so, but that particular time, yeah, so I was 2.30 in the morning to wake up, have my prayer time, go downstairs, have breakfast, train for an hour and a half to two hours, have another meal, have a shake, um, do all of my reading, because if I'm making a movie at the time, i got to read the script out loud X amount of times um, throughout the day. So doing all that, then I'd have another meal, and we'd wake up the kids. And then I would kind of either go off to the cryo chamber or do whatever I was doing, and it was just like one thing after another. But there was this, there was this one thing, it was funny, because a guy actually, uh, a journalist, said, I'm going to do Mark's daily schedule. Oh, really? And for some reason, I guess it was the way it was written out, that... It says from like 6.30 to 8 or something, shower, right? Or just there was a shower and then there's nothing happened till 8 o'clock. So you just assume that I was in the shower that the whole, whole time. The whole time. Like an hour and a half <laughs> shower. I was like, dude, first of all, I, as I tried to explain to my kids, we grew up in a two-bedroom, one-floor, triple-decker. We had one floor, nine kids, parents, everything. You got one shower which is also in the tub with the same toilet right there. That's it. And, you know, from October until March, it's freezing cold. And, you know, I'm the last to get into the showers. I never had a hot shower. So my showers were as quick as possible. You know, you get in, you wash, you're out. Um, so, no, I take a five-minute shower. But this guy was like, God, I was in there, and the water was turned cold after about 40 minutes. I was, I was dying laughing. It was very, very funny. But... um but no, that was not me taking an hour and a half shower. No, I was like, but did they think I like fall asleep in the shower? Oh, he's tripping. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So I just, I'm prepared and willing to do whatever I have to do, whatever I think. And then I was training two a day, so I'd get back into the gym, do another routine. Now, you know, I realized after doing six months of crazy training that I I need to now start having a little bit more recovery, being a little more mindful of you know taking a day off and splitting up the routine a little bit. Um, and start feeling better, you know, because you start your body starts breaking down after a while. I gotta ask you. So immediately when I, I saw the Patriots go down and every all the questions about Tom Brady and what's next, what do you feel what's next for him, and do you think that we'll see him in another uniform? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I have my own thoughts and my own opinion, and then like my wife was like, "You gotta call him and ask him what he's gonna do." I'm like. I don't want to bother the dude. I mean, he's got to do whatever is right for him, you know. And for anybody to have a problem with that, especially uh, being in New England fans, would be crazy because, I mean, he's given us six Super Bowls, you know, two plays away from eight, um, you know, dominated the division, dominated the game, the greatest to ever play. I just want him to do whatever is happy, whatever makes him happy, whatever is best for him and his family. Hands down, he's a goat. Oh, hey, come on, man. It's not even, it's not even close. You know, it's funny because... You're a Packers fan. 
Um, you listen to guys like Max Kellerman or something. So about Aaron Hernandez. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the best. Aaron Rodgers is the best. I actually met Aaron Rodgers a couple of times, and it was always a thorn in my side because they would say how good he was, and he's pretty damn good. He yeah, makes nice. things happen. Um, but then I met him, and I thought, wow, he's such a really nice guy. And I was like, but I still was not going for that, right? I was like, no. So I still got had this little issue with Aaron Rodgers. He probably didn't even know it, but I was like, but then I realized Brady got six. Nobody's getting sick. Six. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is pretty amazing, too. So is Lamar Jackson. It's just nice for me for the first time to be able to watch Super Bowl where I don't have stress. Like, I could just watch the game. I can eat. My, my appetite's you can not enjoy it. ruined for the entire day. You know, I, and I can watch the commercials. Um, but, no, I really uh, I'm grateful for everything that Brady did, all the joy that he's brought me and my family. Um, you know, and just whatever makes him happy, you know, I would, you know, it's amazing that he's been able to stay as strong and as sharp as he has, you know, everybody's saying, you know, at a certain age, you just kind of fall off a cliff. And I think with his discipline, which is with his focus and determination, the way he takes care of himself, um, I think he can probably play for, for, you know, a couple more seasons, but you know, whatever he wants to do. What, why is it always important for you just to uplift and make time for, people around you in your circle that you care about. Uh, I mean, I asked you numerous times last minute with your intensive schedule and you're always busy, but you always find a way to make time, even when you don't have time for the people around you. Uh, you know, I'm just fortunate. I got some, I got some really good people around me. You know, I got some good friends and, you know, um, I always also gravitate towards like-minded people. People have had to overcome things to work really hard to get to where they are or, being willing to go and work hard, you know. Um, obviously, I know your story very well. Um, love what you're doing. I love how you go and inspire uh, other kids, you know, um, having had problems with the law and things of that nature, but still being able to turn your life around, knowing that there's a couple key people in your life that actually gave you a chance. No doubt. You know, when it could have easily went the other way. I had those people in my life. And, uh, and you know, again, it's just... Uh, it's important to, 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 to spend time with like-minded people and, and uh, you know, continue to inspire other people to, you know, go out there and make things happen. So last couple questions. Got NBA All-Star coming up. You participated. You was a judge on that stage. I beg you to come. You was like, yo, bro, I'm there. You came. You judged the dunk contest. Is there anybody you want to see out there? I know Dwight Howard is participating. Vince Carter may come out there this season. Wow. Yeah, so it's going to be like an old-school reunion, but is there anyone you want to see in that dunk contest? Um, yeah, of course, you want to see the big stars. Yeah. You want to see the big stars. But I think where it's gone to in the level of skill and difficulty, uh, it's absolutely incredible, you know? Good to see Zion back and playing. Ooh. Um, man. Would you love to see he him might, out there? He might be the first one to just not break the rim, but rip the backboard. <laughs> Like rip it in half. I mean, he is just—it's incredible. Who does he remind you of, Zion? When you think of players, really that like nobody past? else. I is mean, it? if you if you took Shaq and and LeBron and kind of meshed them together, Ooh. you know, I think if anybody, you know, somebody made a good comparison the other day is um, hopefully not the same case because this guy deal with a lot of injuries, but D Rose, yeah, because he's just so athletic and explosive, but I don't think his body could really handle the torque and the power in which he moved with. So hopefully, um, and he's big for a kid, so he's got to really make sure that he's doing the right thing, um, you know, with, with all of his training and everything else. So.
Yeah. We just got great, great people around, especially his parents, you know. No doubt. Last question for me. You know, we get all these questions about Tough Juice and our project together. What What are your expectations on our project, and what do you think going forward? Well, I know, and you talk about it all the time, you know, people yeah. ask you, and it's crazy because once you have a project and yeah. it's something that you're passionate about and then you say, oh, this is happening, and then everybody's like, when's it happening? Yeah. When's it happening? I lived with that for a long time with the fighter, and I've always told you it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And it came out great, and, too. Yeah, and the great thing is, is for me, playing the part that I'm going to play, there's not a ticking clock. Yeah. Right, because I'm not like you know I'm about to do a movie called Uncharted based on the video game, and initially way back when uh, around the time of the fighter I was attached to play Nathan Drake, right, and now cut to 12 years later, 14 years later, now I'm playing the old guy, <laughs> and uh, Tom Holland who plays Spider-Man is playing Nathan Drake, and it's an origin it's story, so it's really cool. But but um, with that particular part, the most important thing is to find a a, a guy who's believable playing you. We're looking for Karan Butler. Which is not an easy thing to do because you want to you want to have somebody who's believable as being a superstar in the NBA, but also somebody who can pull off the dramatic aspects of acting and carrying a movie because my part is just going to be a supporting part. So, um, you know, it, that's not an easy thing to do. But I think um, finding the right filmmaker at the right time. I, I actually, uh, I just did a l little movie called Good Joe Bell, which I shot in 27 days, oh, wow. uh, based on a true story about a, guy, about a guy from La Grande, Oregon, whose son uh, was bullied and succumbed to bullying and ended up taking his own life. And the father obviously was devastated and sat in a room for uh, two months, paralyzed with, with, with severe depression, and then uh, had this vision of his son, and he decided one day that he was going to walk. His son always wanted to live in New York, where he'd feel like he could be accepted and be who he was. Uh, and his son was a beautiful light and just, um, you know, comes from a place where, you know, there was a lot of, uh, not a lot of acceptance. Uh, and so the dad wakes up and says, I'm going to basically go across the country and create awareness and talk about intolerance and bullying and uh and the dad walked for seven months and traveled up with i think like 1500 miles got to colorado um and you know he would talk to everybody along the way about bullying and this movie you know it was a difficult movie to get made uh we've gone through cer certain variations of editors and stuff but now i found again we found a new editor and we've seen the first 15 minutes and now I'm thinking like, wow, we're really going to make the movie that we wanted to make. Uh, but it's difficult. So having the right filmmaker, the right cast, all of those things, I think will come together for the right reason. So again, we've got to be patient. And, and to make a movie that's going to really move the needle, um, you know, and that will, uh, will inspire many people growing up like you grew up in Racine to be able to say, you know what, doesn't matter. Where, where you come from or, you know, if you want to if you want to do anything in life, you got to really go and do the work. You got to do the right thing. You showed me that clip, too. That was powerful. Like, it moved me, like, beyond measures. Yeah. Just seeing that teaser. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we got we to gotta figure out who's the right guy. And, and again, I um, always feel like being uh, from Racine, Wisconsin, this movie has to have some scope. You have to understand what winter's like there. Uh, growing up like that in in the Midwest and freezing cold, oh, you got to see you got to see the winter. And I wanted the movie, even though it's just you know an independent movie, we wanted to have size and scope, 
and uh, and be able to kind of tell the story from you know uh, when you really started, you know, when you were on that the edge of you know your life could go one way or it could go the other, until seeing you actually go and accomplish your dream. Yeah, you know, from going to college to going to the pros and yeah, coming to L.A. and meeting you. Well, like I said, <laughs> you talk about you know being like-mindedness, you know, your family, um, how you care about your wife and your kids and how that's your priority. Everything. Yep. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show, big boy. Oh, my Make pleasure. Time for me. My pleasure. Thank you, OG. Uh, I think uh, you wearing that green jacket, I think, probably just really lowered your chances of ever getting invited to join Augusta National. Oh, man. Come uh, on, bro. I couldn't put that jacket on. I mean, I, I had to want to, you know, even when that's starting municipal, right, or aspirational um, apparel brand, it's, again, it's your story, it's my story. It's like, it doesn't matter where you start. You know, you can have the craziest goals and dreams and ambitions and actually make those things come true. So it's up for, to us uh, and people like us to continue to inspire kids that no matter where you come from, you know, if you want to make it happen, you got to go and make it happen. 100%. By doing the right thing and doing it the right way, putting in the work, you know. And then you, man, you, when you, when you actually earn something, God, you cherish it. You cherish it. You want to protect it with all you got. You know, if something comes easy. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I don't care about that. You know? Feel a little different. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, when it's yours and you earned it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's real. That's the best feeling in the world. Tough Juice Podcast.